Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman website in the world. This is show number 47, released on November 26, 2008. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me, as always, is Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. Hey, Steve, we're about ready to shout, four more years, four more years. No, we got, uh, we got, uh... Four years of these shows almost now. It's like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a great run, and uh, little did we know when we started it would be going this long, but it's uh, it seems to be continuing to be popular, and uh, along with the speeding bulletin videos, uh, we're doing well in the multimedia sections. It's great. Okay, well, we're nearing the end of the year. Um, there's lots to talk about. Let's start in with Season 8 of Smallville is in its mid-season break. Uh, how have you liked the the season so far? I think, you know, it's been the best one since season three, which is amazing. I think the new blood has helped it out a lot. Not the new blood in terms of actors, but uh, in terms of not, you know, like like with Alan Miles gone, it seems to have picked up and gone in crazy directions, and they're actually trying to progress it a little bit, even if it is a little awkward at times, you know? Yeah. Um, I like to say, Doomsday was really cool. Yeah, well, I haven't actually seen that most recent episode as yet, but I have seen most of uh, the, se- the episodes that have aired so far in Season 8, uh, remembering that Smallville doesn't actually air at the same time here in Australia. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's for me, I've enjoyed it. I thought um, that, uh, as you said, the new blood in the uh, executive producers seems to have sparked the show somewhat. Uh, some creative juices are spilling over again, and they seem to be really you know, buzzed for what they can do with, uh, with this season. Clark, in my opinion, has never been better. He seems to really be tackling, um, you know, the role of being a superhero and, and deciding to, you know, actually use his powers instead of, you know, bemoan the fact that he's so different and that he's not like anybody <laughs> else. And so, yeah, I'm really enjoying his characterization uh, and the burgeoning uh, relationship with him and Lois seems to be a bit uh, mixed in, in the way it's developing. But, uh, you know, I like her for Clark much more than, you know, than Lana. Yeah, the Society for Anti-Emo Clark has finally succeeded, and we've got a little bit of common sense man who's actually going out there and um, being with women who like him and uh, treat him nicely, I guess. Um, Even though it seems like they're forcing it a little bit, but at least they panned it out over 11 episodes. Mm. I don't know, I remember with Lois and Clark, we had to wait a whole season before they would even, you know, like kind of acknowledge each other, so yeah. I don't know, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah, well, it seems to be going alright, but the Doomsday angle was uh, something that I wasn't too sure about when they first announced it, you know, Davis Bloom uh, being a really nice guy and a paramedic and him becoming Doomsday, obviously it's not um, what happened in the comic books, but it's still Doomsday, it's, you know, they're true to the character in, in the way he looks, you know, that he's obviously from Krypton, which the original... Uh, Doomsday was, you know, from the ancient Krypton or older Krypton uh, with the experimentation going on there. So it seems to be uh, an interesting angle that they've taken with Doomsday, but it seems to be working. Yeah, it was actually surprisingly good. I expected that to be the weak point of the season. Like, they had that Grant Gabriel thing last year, and it's like every time they introduce somebody new, it tends to suck. <laughs> I mean, like, like even the Green Arrow. Everybody loves the Green Arrow. I get that. But I'm, like, sitting there like, oh, it's taken away from Clark. And then yeah. they, uh, when they introduced Lois, it took away from Chloe a good bit. And then, uh, what else, Supergirl took away from Clark a lot. And then they introduced Doomsday, and I'm thinking, oh, this has got a sting. But they're actually turning it into a villain arc, and with the Lex vacuum, it's actually working pretty good. Um... 
I like I, I don't like the fact that he's Hulk light, but I do like the fact that they're staying true to him being a Kryptonian, him being um, him being an evolving being, and I like the fact that uh, they actually made it so that it had kind of a nice little twist on there being Zod's son. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, uh, not only that, but Doomsday seems to be the catalyst for why the Legion come to Smallville. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that. The the little ad they showed at the end of the last episode, it showed what I was pretty darn sure was the Persuader in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Imagining, and and, and the costume didn't look hokey. It didn't look like Percy. You know, I made that joke in the review about how I thought Doomsday would be a skateboarding punk named Doomy who has like three bones first, because that's how Smallville does things, you know. It's like if Batman comes in, he's going to be this kid who wears a bat you know, ball cap and calls himself bats, you know, it's, it's like that's Smallville to a T, yeah. but uh, Doomsday was actually Doomsday, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and the Legion seemed to be Legion, with Jeff Johns writing yes. the episode, uh, the the costumes looked alright, they, you know, looked like jackets, but they had the buttons and the, you know, the, the style and the colour that uh, the Legionnaires wear uh, in most of their incarnations. Yeah, it was, it was nice. It reminded me a lot of the more modern take of the Legion in the, uh, in the comic books. I mean, it's not like, obviously they're not wearing pink spandex, but uh, it, it's, it's pretty realistic the way that a superhero would dress in that kind of X-Men feel almost. Yeah, I wonder if we'll actually hear the word Superman in this episode. You know, will they tell him that he, in the future he is Superman and, you know, and that they were inspired by him as the Legion has always been? Well, they've oh, you know, they've gone so far on the show already to show that Clark knows he's going to be Superman even before he's Superman, and that it's a destiny as opposed to a choice. I don't see what it could hurt now, and I think it might be kind of a good play for drama. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see, and uh, obviously the ratings for Smallville has kind of spiked a little bit towards the end of this mid-season break. I think only Legion, if they advertise it and promote it correctly, can only do wonders for the show's ratings and, uh, you know, for either returning viewers who may have left the show or bring in new viewers who maybe have never, you know, have seen the show. Well, I, I think that if things keep going on this path and if things keep staying at, at about this standard, which is actually pretty decent, um, I think uh, it'd be surprised if the ratings didn't prompt a final season like a nine. They're, you know, I always say that cynically that it will go as long as the money will allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It all depends on willing, obviously. But I think that uh, things have definitely been picking up, and I think that it's... It's. I, I'm worried. It's like a last hurrah. You know how a lot of shows, when they when they reach their final uh, point, they get to that last little bit, and they know everything is going towards the end, so they just kind of throw out all the stops. Enterprise yeah. did it notably. Enterprise was uh, having all kinds of problems. They kept saying it's going to get canceled, and then they started pulling out stops because they figured, what the hell, and it turned into a good show. Um, and Smallville's kind of doing that to a degree too. I don't know if it's intentional, if it's a ploy or what, but it's really you know kicking up. Yeah, seems to be working. All right, well, let's move away from Smallville for now and talk about the comic books. Obviously, a big note is the new Krypton saga that's uh, running through Superman action comics and Supergirl at the moment, as well as one or two specials along the way. What is your take on it so far? So far, I've been enjoying it. I think um, I think the new Krypton specials that uh, Robinson have been doing have been changing my mind about him a little bit. I was uh, uh, he, he has a very very distorted style, but the um, the last couple of issues with uh, with Jimmy Olsen and the Guardian are, are are panning out, and I've been told that he's really really good with secondary characterization or tertiary characters, and it's obviously showing here that he's really really good with it. I don't know, it, it seems rather chaotic when he's doing the main book, because things just kind of jerk around a little bit, but uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I liked the whole uh, Doomsday surprise that played out a little bit, even though the issue was kind of half and half. Um, and I'm loving the way that uh, it's kind of being made sensible. Usually you just drop 100,000 Kryptonians in the middle of nowhere, and it's an event thing in comics, and, and people don't know what to do with themselves, and so the writing just tends to focus on very small areas. But uh, Johns is making an emphasized point about the way that... Um, the way that the society is kind of self-regulating. So yeah, okay, you got you got a uh, hundred thousand Kryptonians. Obviously, one or two of them are going to be bad seeds. Well, the bad seeds go to the fortress to let out Zod or whatever, and then bang, there are two good Kryptonians to smack them down. And it reminds me, uh, it, it's kind of a larger commentary on society because our society has one or two Hitlers, and it has a million people who are willing to smack Hitlers down. So if we all suddenly develop superman superpowers, would the Earth destroy itself? Probably not, because we'd self-regulate. And I didn't realize that going in here, and it kind of it kind of emphasizes a way that this storyline can work and can be viable over a long period of time. And only, you know, I, I, I don't see that kind of thought put into the whole ramifications usually. Usually it's just like, oh, hey, a world without Superman, that'd be cool. And then we get Trinity, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've been enjoying it too. Um, like you said, uh, Robinson's writing seems to be a bit disjointed, doesn't seem to have a flow... Uh, as Jeff Johns does, but uh, it's working for what he's doing, and uh, Supergirl comics seem to be enjoying the ride with it. Um, Sterling Gates has done a, a magnificent job of getting that uh, title back on track. It's tying in, tying in nicely with the new Krypton story, with uh, Kara getting her parents back and what that it means, and whether or not this uh, the, the history that she's had and the, the continuity that she's had why that's been so disjointed and so many different origins, and they seem to be tying it all in nicely, a la Jeff Johns, the way he did with Brainiac and, uh, and Toy Man and, and, and other characters. So uh, it seems to be a, a concerted effort by the writers to bring the, the core Superman titles back under an umbrella that everybody can understand and, and can jibe with and say, okay, this is where things are going, this is why things happened in the past, Let's move forward and, and continue on enjoying these stories. Yep, it's looking pretty good. The only thing that uh, seems to be a little crazy is the uh, whole uh, action comics thing. Yeah, well, Dan Didio announced recently uh, via an interview that Superman would be leaving the pages of action comics to other characters and uh, that in his own title, Superman, he would be uh, doing some out of space, uh, you know, out of space adventure where he looks like he's not going to come back to Earth, or that's the, the appearance of the story. But uh, getting back to that action comics, I mean, why? I mean, is it, yeah. don't, we have, don't we have little Superman at the moment? I mean, we know there's no Man of Steel, yeah. no adventure as a Superman. Now there's going to be no action comics. I mean, what are we left with? Superman, and that's it. What? Yeah, to give you an idea, I talk to people who are not comic book geeks occasionally. You know, sometimes I step out of the cave and go into the real world where sometimes there are people. And um, the real people, I was just uh, fuming the other day, and I was walking down the street talking to a friend of mine. And I'm like, you know what they're doing in action comics? And they're like, no, what? What, is Superman fighting Godzilla or what? And I'm like, no, they're, they're taking Superman out of action comics. And they're like, well, why don't they take... Batman out of detective comics then, you know, because even, even the average show knows that action comics is Superman, you know, and I'm like, well, I, in fact, they are taking Batman out of detective comics, you know, and they're like, what, you know, and and what it is, is it's, it's, oh, it's a ploy, you know, it, 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 like with Batman, it's just 
like it's to shock people, and and it's obviously not going to be permanent, and it's just why, why, why not just tell a good story? Yeah, um, but what what is there to gain by taking Superman action out of action comics? Are you going to get people who don't buy action comics suddenly buy it? No, you're going to get people who you're going to get less. Superman yeah. who's going to not buy action comics because he's not in it. Yeah, and, and it's just, the only thing that I could think of that could justify this, and the only thing that would make me stand up and cheer and go, oh, this is a good idea, is if he's going into into space to deal with Blackest Night with the Green Lantern. And I don't know if you've been following that or reading that, but it's been excellent on all levels. And if Superman's going to associate with that storyline, I would forgive it. Okay. But that's about the only thing. So <laughs> perhaps Action Comics will be then a... Metropolis comic book where it's looking at what's happening on Earth in Metropolis without Superman. I bet if they if they make it last for longer than six to eight months, not only will they get a ton of negative media attention, um, but they'll also probably see severe drops on the numbers. Even if Jeff Johns is still writing it, because if they turn into a it, turn it into a pet character project, it's not going to be what it once was, and people are going to leave it in droves. It's going to be like back you know, in the middle of the Brigands area when they had, you know, the Casey Kelly thing going on and no one was digging it. Hmm. It just seems a bizarre choice of, uh, you know, just a a bizarre choice. I don't know why. I can't see the reasoning behind it. I guess we'll find out in time, but... It's like when they ended Adventures of Superman. It's like, why the heck did they do that? You know, just change it into Superman. Why didn't they keep the four titles going or at least change the purpose? And we had Superman Confidential, gone. We got Superman Batman, it's a mismatch. All-Star Superman's gone. So we got like three titles a month and only one or two in continuity. What's with that, you know? Yeah, it seems seems that DC just don't, uh, I don't know, don't seem to to, uh, respect Superman the way they used to. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a lack of respect, but I do know that they don't understand necessarily what Superman fan wants. I, I think they're looking for the broader audience with Superman, and they don't realize that if they played to their Superman base a lot more, they would get a lot more readership. And if they told good stories as opposed to look for gimmicks, they would they would have success a hell, a hell of a lot more. And Jeff Johns is showing that good stories are leading to good sales. Yeah. Well, talking about uh, comic books that uh, are no longer existing, uh, as you mentioned, some of those other Superman titles, uh, Legion of Superheroes in the 31st Century is now gone. Uh, but we do have a new Supergirl comic book called Supergirl Cosmic Adventures in the 8th Grade. Um, they seem to be, yeah, well, they seem to be putting comics towards uh, a younger audience with uh, Super Friends and now this new Supergirl comic. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're making comics for kids. I think they should do more of that, even though I find, like, you know, sometimes I find Tiny Titans and Super Friends, when I flip through them, I'm like, oh, that'd be condescending if I were a kid, but I'd still probably enjoy it and read it. I think more comics for kids is a good thing. Just a silly title. But, uh, yeah, well, it's a long one, too. Yeah, Legion Departings is it, Legion Departing is kind of too bad because they were talking about how um, they were going to do all kinds of big events for the anniversary of the Legion, and now it seems to just be Legion of Three Worlds and that Superman in action comic story, uh, guest starring Superman, you know, with the uh, Legion in it. And I don't know, I, I wanted to get to know them, and now they're gone. What the heck's going on? Well, obviously, Legion of Superheroes in the 31st Century was uh, a tie-in to that uh, cartoon series, which is no longer in ex- existence. So. Uh, the Super Friends comic book is obviously a tie-in with the uh, the toy line, and uh, it's pa- pretty much just a page-to-page uh, advertisement for the toys. So, um, yeah, it, 
I can see the condescending line, and um, you know they are still enjoyable stories. But um, I'll be interested to see how this Supergirl cosmic adventures in the eighth grade uh, sells, and whether or not yeah. it's uh, you know it's geared towards girls, um, or whether it's uh, you know just youngsters all together. Yeah, should be interesting. Okay, well. Uh, Something that's definitely more towards the adult audience is the Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe video game. Uh, yeah. Are you going to be getting this? I want to, but I can't afford the darn thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at it and I'm saying Fallout 3 with a really, really great story or Mortal Kombat vs. DC, which is written by Jimmy Palmiotti. Um... I think I'm going to go with the uh, Fallout 3 for now. Um, when it goes down to, like, $20, $30, I'm going to try it. Or, or get this, if Warner Brothers is... Is Warner Brothers putting it out? Is that uh, no, what it was? It's, uh, Midway. Midway. Yeah, that's right, Midway. If Midway is willing to send us a cop copy, I will gladly do a massive write-up. <laughs> hint, hint. But I doubt that that's going to happen. So, um, unfortunately not. But it does look pretty cool. Yeah, well, um, Adam DeChannel, who is in London, um, got to go to a press event over there that Midway held, and... Got a, uh, a comp copy of the game to... Oh, really? Cool. And so we're getting a review. Nice. Well, his review is up on the website already if you haven't seen oh. it yet. And uh, right. he, uh, he actually enjoyed it. He says it's one of the better comic book adaptions. Fighting super, fighting as Superman has its uh, pluses and its, uh, its minuses, but uh, he said all in all it's a pretty good game and uh, one well worth getting if you're inclined to those bash em up type games. See, that speaks to the site right there. It said I... <laughs> I go on there every day all the time, and it's so vast that I didn't see an article. That's cool. <laughs> Sorry about that, Adam. Yes, but, uh, yeah, so it sounds like a, an interesting game, and obviously in the not-too-distant future we've also got the DC Universe Online game that um, yeah. seems to uh, be picking up a bit of interest amongst the fans. That I will be getting. I tried that myself, and that was fun. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's move on to talking about the Superman movie, uh, if and when it ever happens. Um, yes. In this past month, we've had a few comments by various people, uh, Brian Singer, chief amongst them, uh, who virtually gave a no-comment type of answer when asked about his involvement in the next Superman movie. He seems to think that he's taking a bit of a pause, a bit of a break after doing Valkyrie, and probably recharging his batteries before, if he decides to go into the next Superman movie. Obviously, there's a lot of ifs and buts about that, and Warner Brothers will have their say about whether or not Brian Singer is to be involved, and he'll have his say in regards to what capacity he wants to be involved, whether or not he can get to write the full story or what's uh, involved in that uh, in that area. But um, also, we've heard from uh, Christopher Reeve's son, Matthew, who gave his opinion on both Superman Returns and what they should do with the future Superman movie as well as, um, what's his name that played Perry White? Uh, Langela. Langela, who uh, said that uh, he has a strong view that it should, a uh, strong feeling that he thinks it will happen, that he'll be back as Perry White. So Frank uh, has his say there as well. Uh, did you, what did you make of any of those comments? I thought uh, Brian Singer uh, doing the no comment thing or, you know, being blasé about it seemed to indicate that he's involved in some capacity, like the people that think he's out totally. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I never like to draw conclusions. It seems like Singer might be in, Singer might not be in. I think it might be he's deciding and, and Warner Brothers are deciding, depending on, you know, what they think they're going to do with the reboot. Um, I just wish they'd get on it already. <laughs> yeah, well, you think that... Uh 
his no comment would indicate that they're obviously still in negotiations and that he can't actually oh, yeah. make any comment uh, one way or the other. So, well, if he were out, he'd say it was out, you know, yeah. like, like, why wouldn't he? If, if, if he'd have nothing to lose. He'd be like, okay, I'm out, you know, like, yeah, what's the big exactly, deal? Exactly, So, uh, well, it doesn't seem like there's any real movement on that, uh, on the movie, so we'll just uh, keep you posted when and if we hear any further details. But uh, there are some whispers uh, that we should hear an announcement in regards to Warner Brothers' uh, DC Comics plan uh, within the next month. Um, whether or not that's actually true or not, I don't know. Uh, but supposedly Warner Brothers are formulating a plan for all their DC character movies and will have some kind of announcement, uh, hopefully before Christmas. If not, then I'm sure we'll hear something in the new year. Go Ambushman! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, before we move into the big question segment of the show, I wanted to remind everybody out there that the 2008 Shield Awards are still un- are going uh, with getting your votes in for all the things that happen in the year of 2008, whether it be comic books, whether it be merchandise, movies, uh, TV episodes. There's uh, so many different uh, segments of the Shield Awards that you can vote for. So uh, all the categories are there for you to have a look at. Be sure and get your vote in uh, before the end of this month, before the end of November, and the Shield Awards will be announced early in December. So get your votes in ASAP. Yes, you must vote. Let's start with the big question. Okay, the big question. Last month we asked everybody what they felt about superheroes and politics, whether they should mix, whether they shouldn't mix, what uh, what their opinions were on that. So we had quite a few answers to this uh, big question. And first off, Calvin Bowes wrote, The answer is that superhero comics should only deal in politics in the abstract. For example, Luthor is president and Penguin mayor, but that is where it ends. We don't need Superman saying he's for Obama and Batman for McCain. I feel in the real world of politics <laughs> that they should be silent on the issue and that even goes for political issues as well. We don't need Supergirl arguing pro-life as Wonder Woman argues pro-choice. The political opinions of writers have no place in comic books. <laughs> Reminds me of that Batman-Penguin debate from the old Campy series. You ever see that? Uh, which one are you talking about? Oh, they have this whole, like the old Batman-Adam West series. Yeah. They have this actual debate with the Penguin over, it. it's a long story, but it's funny. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Petrovich wrote, I have to say that comic book characters dealing with politics is a very bad idea. The famous line from Marlon Brando comes to mind, you are forbidden to interfere with human history. <laughs> and I am a donut. No, I put that in, guys. He didn't say that. I don't see Superman siding with a certain political party and or candidate. From a marketing standpoint, you can't do that because you can potentially alienate certain fans. Comics are for an escape from real life, not a political statement. And, and I did that again. He wasn't a donut, was he? He was a no, bagel. He bagel. wanted to be a bagel. <laughs> ah, bagel. oh well. Yeah, okay. Dave Lewis uh, wrote, Hey guys, I enjoyed DCU decisions surrounding the voting story. It took the book to a nice level of reality that gives the reader something to think about. After all, comics are a medium and should be treated as such. What's wrong with a comic giving you something to ponder other than what Lex is up to this week? You guys are doing a beautiful thing. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Mike Breed wrote, I think it's okay to reference and be relevant to the times, but I certainly don't think personal opinions would do anything but divide or maybe even upset readers. Beyond Dems and Reps, I'm still not convinced the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox Nation, and New York Yankees, Yankee Universe rivalry hasn't found its way into the DC Universe. Fair enough. 
Rick L. James writes, I think that the heroes in the comic book should keep a neutral stance when it comes to politics and be to voice of justice and good to every government administration. It's that they are above the law but in a way that is similar to the importance of religion and separation from government for the purpose of being its conscience. I think superheroes should play a similar role. Otherwise, when the government or a party person makes an un- unjust decision, the hero is lumped in with it. <laughs> that's, that's great. He's Rick James! Anyway, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bob Moorhead. Okay, there you go. Bob Moorhead wrote, Political messages in comics and there's been also nothing new. Think of the jingoisms of DC's World War II years, World War I years, the Clan of the Fiery Cross in Superman's radio show, the celebrated Green Lantern slash Green Arrow run in the early 70s, etc. I believe it can work today if it's used to flesh out a character rather than a preacher writer's or an editor's agenda. Ignoring this character's political leaning is as much a mistake as using them to preach to readers. And that's very true. The question run was very, very political without being explicitly political, and, and, and it really made for a much better story. Denny O'Neill was great with that. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks, everyone, for your input into the big question. And we've got a new big question for you this show. And the question is, should action comics be published without Superman in it? No! (laughs) There's Neil's answer. Short but sweet. So uh, let us know what you think. And you can be as short and sweet as Neil was, or you can get into a bit more in-depth by sending in your answer to the big question segment of the show. Click on the big question button found at the Radio KL webpage and we will read everybody's answers out in the next episode of Radio KL. Don't forget you can also record your own audio answer and send it in as an MP3 player, MP3 file, and we will play it in the next episode as well. I totally biased that one, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Really? I didn't think so. No! Jimmy makes a new friend. My camera! Oh, man, I am so sorry. This isn't my day. All is not quiet on the home front. So what was it you saw? By the barn. Hovering together out there in the darkness. Seems to me like it was looking for something. Captain Sawyer approaches from a new angle. What's that? It's a microchip we dug out of a... a suspect. I just wanted to know if you could tell me anything more about it. Anything at all. And hope is found. What? What is that? I think there's a release switch. Whoa. What's in there? Is that... Join in on the discovery in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 47. Coming November 26, 2008. To PendantAudio.com. Kara's thoughts are on the past. You seem quieter than usual. Is everything all right? All of those memories. And there's only me to hold them. And I can't stop thinking about everything that's gone. I just wish I wasn't the only one. While strange things develop in the present. Look, you guys have got to see this. Look, look. (laughs) What? Holy crap! No way. What happened? I don't know. Huh? What was that? It's a clue. And I know just the person to tell me what it means.
It's the only explanation. It doesn't just sneak out to chase birds. No, it sneaks out to destroy things. If you're right, it could mean our funding's in danger. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, issue 19. Coming Wednesday, November 26th at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf. Hey, hey, Mike. Woohoo! Yes, well, Michael Bailey is back with another segment of the Bailey's Bookshelf, and let's hear what he has to say in this week's episode. Go, Evil Twins! Hey, everybody, Michael Bailey here with another edition of Bailey's Bookshelf, the monthly feature here at Radio KAL, where I have the very distinct pleasure of walking over to my bookshelf once a month and picking out a Superman trade, hardcover, or graphic novel to uh, share with y'all. This month, I am actually doing a audience request by uh, Superman homepage member John Jones, who private messaged me and asked if I would talk about whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which isn't quite a trade. I mean, it's a collected edition because it puts the two issues that made up that story together, but it's not what you would think of as a kind of a big, thick trade, but still. Anyways, it's on my bookshelf, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow took place in Superman number 423 and Action Comics number 583, both of which had a cover date of September 1986. They were written by Alan Moore with pencils by Kurt Swan and inks by George Perez in the Superman issue and Kurt Schaffenberger in the Action issue. This story was the final send-off for the silver-slash-bronze-age Superman before the big revamp of the pages of Man of Steel, which would start coming out a month or two after the story was published, and it is one of those rare stories that is well regarded by Superman fans from all walks of life. There is very little arguing here. If you see a top ten list of Superman stories, invariably, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow is going to be on it. And I have to wonder if that has more to do with the fact that Alan Moore wrote it than anything else. Alan Moore has this kind of cult of personality around him, which sometimes clouds my judgment of his writing, because most of the time I have to think, well, do I dislike this because I don't like his writing, or do I dislike this because I don't like the fact that people keep shoving his writing down my throat and making me feel like if I don't like it, then there's something wrong with me. But... Beyond all that, in the case of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, I have to say that I really enjoy the story. It is told by Lois Lane, or at least the Lois Lane of the future, who is relating the final adventure of the Man of Steel a decade after his disappearance. And it is a very dark story, which set it apart from most of the Silver and Bronze Age run of Superman. Sure, bad things always happen. I mean, if not, you know, there, there wouldn't be much conflict. But there was a lot of death and destruction going on in these two issues. I mean, Superman's identity is revealed. Bizarro goes on an honest-to-goodness rampage. Pete Ross is killed by the prankster and toy man. And Superman's life is pretty much falling apart, and things only get worse when Luther and Brainiac team up for the last time. But it's also a sad story, and Moore does a fantastic job of making the reader, or at least me, feel that this is it. This is the end. The never-ending battle is about to come to a close, and that makes it both compelling 
and sad. I mean, I really felt for Superman in this story. As usual, I won't go into the story too much because spoilers and space kind of prohibit me from doing so. I kind of like to let you guys discover it on your own. But I will say that everyone gets a chance to say goodbye, even characters that have already died. The ultimate villain of the piece is a bit of a surprise, and Moore's logic on why he went truly bad is pretty neat. So, if anything, read it to see what happens to this longtime Superman foe. Kurt Swan's art? Man, if I didn't mention this, I'd be a terrible Superman fan. The art is amazing in both issues, and if anyone is going to close down that era of Superman, it has to be the late, great Kurt Swan. Sure, he's not my Superman artist, so to speak, but I have nothing but respect for what he brought to the character, and his art had a real humanity to it, and that is one of the main reasons this story works so well. So yeah, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? The Prestige Trade is probably your best shot at reading this, though the individual issues probably won't set you back too much unless they're slabbed, but why would you buy a slabbed book to read anyways? So that's it for this month, everybody. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thanks, Michael, and we'll hear from Michael again in the next episode of Radio KAL with a trade paperback review. Only one thing alive less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret <laughs> soundbite time. All right. Well, last show, the sound came from a season seven episode titled Action. And we had four people who guessed it right. And they are Nell DeMormon, Craig M., Brandon Wigginton, and Alana Haggerty. Good job, guys. That's uh, only a few people. That's pretty good. Yeah, well done. Uh, it's uh, not getting easier because we've got obviously more seasons of Smallville where we can choose episodes from and sounds from those episodes. So, uh, well done to those four people who guessed it right. They're obviously big-time Smallville fans. Let's see if they can get which episode of Smallville this sound comes from. The torch torched. How's that for dramatic irony? Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the Super Secret Soundbite button and send your entry in. We will read out the names of every person who guesses it right. Superman song time. Alright, I hear you've got some flaming lips for me this time. Yes, we've got the song titled Superman by the Flaming Lips, which was released in 
Yes, I love Flaming Lips. I've listened to them for a long time. And that's the show for another month. Remember, if you have any uh, suggestions for uh, our future shows, uh, if you've got a, a topic you'd like Neil and I to discuss, maybe you've got a suggestion for the big question segment of the show, maybe there's a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to review in his Bailey's Bookshelf segment, uh, maybe you've got a song that you would like to suggest, well, just let us know by using the KAL feedback button found at the Superman homepage, and we'll endeavour to use those suggestions in a future show. Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Steve, and you stay classy, Action Comics starring Bibbo. <laughs> You've been listening to Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com. Yeah.